0: Idag er jeg hos ambassadøren av Egypt til Norge, hans ekselense Amr Ramadan Många vet inte att han är er en av världens främste experter på mänskliga rättigheter och det kommer av hans periode som Egypts representant i FN:s mänsklighetsråd i Genève. I dag diskuterar vi vad är er mänskliga rättigheter? Vad är er de universella rättigheter som samlar världen? Och vi går också in specifikt på förhåll både i Egypt och i Norge och og en del av mediedekning runt detta. Detta är er så intressant och följt gott med. Your Excellency Ambassador Ramadan of Egypt to Norway.
1: I'm so delighted to be here with you again. Thank you, sir. The pleasure is mine. Thank you very much, Pastor, for for being here. Uh, It has been almost a year since we have uh, our previous uh, TV show. And I'm very proud to be here this time and Happy New Year. Same to you, sir. Now, one of the
0: things that has given me so much uh, insight is talking with you about human rights uh, because you were uh, Egypt's permanent representative at the United Nations uh, in Geneva on human rights, right? For several years, I believe.
1: Yeah, that was in uh, 2014 to 2017. Quite some time has passed, uh, almost uh, four years now. Uh, But I'd be very happy to share with you uh, my recollection of of that period. Well, you know, Uh, you've you've given
0: me some insight into different nations and the difficulties and challenges of human rights in different settings. Uh, So human rights is not really a easy matter, is it?
1: It's not an easy matter because we don't have uh, the same uh, definition Uh, in, in people's mind. It's a very technical issue. And as long as it remains technical, I think people understand one another, but when it becomes political, then we don't understand one another. Exactly. Technical in what sense? Technical in the sense that the United Nations came up with the world declaration uh, on human rights mm-hmm. uh, after the inception of the United Nations, and that's why it is universal, because it's uh, the whole world agreed to what is in there. I mean, they participated in drafting, so that's why Uh, it is there. Then, later on in 1967, we have the two covenants, the covenant on the political uh, and civil rights, and the covenant on the economic, social, and cultural rights. Uh, Basically, basically, and generally speaking, the three instruments constitute the international human rights law, as as some people try to name it. Uh, There are also other agreements, uh, like the treaty bodies that Member countries of the United Nations choose voluntary to join mm-hmm. uh, so well,
0: w- like what for example
1: uh, things against discrimination on women uh, agreements on uh, children and so on uh, anti uh, torture and and other agreements. Yeah so when a country chooses to to be party to that agreement then it is obliged by the responsibilities uh, in that agreement but if one country decides that it does not join it can still have the right not to do so for example the economic and social and cultural right covenant which is a basic pillar in the human rights uh, law is not ratified by the united states yeah and they don't feel that they are responsible or obliged to implement what is in there Mm -hmm. just to give you an example exactly Uh, which is a major uh, instrument of human rights law so uh, as long as these agreements are constitute the basic or the framework the parameter for human rights we are all talking the same language and uh, i made a personal attempt to try to identify what are these rights and generally speaking they are like 44 rights Uh, not more. Uh, So we are talking about an identified topic. It's not a general topic that everybody, according to human rights, and nobody knows what exactly is human rights. Exactly. No, we know what it is, uh, and we have those rights. Certainly these things are evolving, they do change, but uh, in order to have an agreed or recognized or universal new human rights uh, instrument or notion, you need to have the whole world agreeing to it. So if let's say Egyptians come up with a new human right that is not shared by Norway, it's not a human right, a notion because it's it's not universal and it's only us who have decided that this should be a new one. So universality stems from the whole world agreeing to not the other way around. Because you sometimes hear people say, you have to do this and that. This is human rights, this is universal. No, the universality stems that the universe agrees to it or exactly. agreed to it, not yeah. the other way around. Yeah. So you cannot impose it, uh, an outside notion. Another element I think which is very important is that human rights are notions. Uh, right to work, right to uh, freedom of expression and so on are notions those notions are implemented differently in every country, according to the constitution, to the laws, to the culture, to the uh, economic uh, aspect of that particular society. So they are not the same. The way, for example, certain uh, freedoms are expressed in the Norwegian law or in the Egyptian law or in American law or any other law are different. And that's naturally, and I think it's obviously normal, and shouldn't constitute a a tension that we have different interpretation. We agree on the notion, but how we implement it differs a little bit, slightly, not a big change. I mean, the notion we agree to, the objective we agree to, since it's part of the uh, uh, international uh, human rights. And uh, I used to give just one example, uh, and I will say it again, Uh, it's just that I picked that example. Uh, In the United States, if you deny that the Holocaust has happened, there is uh, no uh, uh, kind of infringement on human rights, okay? But though there is a political, of course, repercussion to that, especially from uh, Jews, that they will feel very offended that uh, somebody is denying that terrible thing happened Mm -hmm. to them. But in France, if you deny the Holocaust, you can go to jail because uh, the law in France is different. Maybe because of what happened to the Jews in Europe Mm. in the 30s and so on, so it is taking a higher uh, statue in Europe than in the United States. But that doesn't make the United States or doesn't make France having less freedom of expression than the United States, in my opinion. It is just how the French have decided as a society Mm. for themselves that this should be uh, criminalized by law while in the united states which is a supportive of of israel is supportive of jewish people in general it has a lot of american jews so it's not anti-jewish in any case still they allow this to happen as a legal framework so this is an example of how things differ from one society to another so, both, so interesting sir. yeah and both and both societies are western societies by the way i'm not take, talking about East and West here, about two main uh, countries in the West. Both are known for supportive of freedoms, Mm -hmm. and still they have different definition and different interpretation. And if you take that example, you can go throughout the 44 human rights I mentioned, Mm -hmm. and you'll see that there is difference in the interpretation. Now, I I noted, sir, um, a couple of years
0: ago, I I was uh, a part of a, a symposium in Warsaw, on the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. And I noted that there are efforts to really change the definitions of the original uh, rights. I mean, is it often uh, forced by financial uh, pressure groups or are are there actually uh, successful efforts to redefine what human rights is now?
1: There are attempts, of course, of certain uh, groups uh, to make uh, additional rights. Uh, And uh, I would say that that might look normal in terms of the society are changing and uh, the process is dynamic. But until there is an agreed uh, or there is an agreement among nations of the United Nations have drafted and approved and ratified those instruments and they are the ones that are asked to implement those instruments Uh, as long as they don't agree together in a new set of Mm -hmm. documents or an additional uh, type of rights then they are not there so it doesn't if one organization ngo wants to have for example issues related to homosexuals as a human right, it's not there. Yeah. And it is not there, and I don't think it will ever be there. Yeah. So it will remain as an issue for every society that agrees to that kind of behavior. But it is not part of the human rights, or it's not part of the international human rights law. So That's interesting, a
0: sir. Okay. But, but let me ask you, sir. Uh, I live in a a nation, I'm a citizen, I'm I'm born Norwegian by Norwegian parents, and I'm very proud of my nation. I believe in so many great things of Norway. But still, I'm quite amused and sometimes annoyed by our arrogance in saying that we are the human rights nation, whereas others are not. And uh, and I I noted uh, uh, an ambassador of a totally different nation than yours, uh, when I discussed with him some years ago uh, convictions against Norway's uh, Barnevern and the child protections abuse system, convictions by the Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg, he suddenly laughed and he said, so Norway isn't as good as you think. It's actually, you know, we're, we've been convicted more than most other nations in Europe combined.
1: Well, I mean, there is a lot of nations who uh, take human rights as part of their uh, basic principles of uh, international uh, policy or foreign policy, let's put it this way. And uh, I guess uh, Norway is one of those nations that uh, they always, it is there in the foreign policy of the country. Uh, It's written there somewhere and you can see it on the website of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Uh, other countries like the United States it's true also they do the same but when you look to the uh, practices of, of some countries uh, you feel that there is uh, deficiencies in application of certain rights exactly. which is absolutely normal I mean there is no one country that has perfect uh, file or perfect record of human rights. That doesn't exist, including in the United States, including in Norway. Uh, Each society has its own uh, assets, has its own uh, good record and has also deficiencies and and bad uh, issues. Uh, it depends how you look into it. Some countries like to see that human rights is only focused on two, three, four rights. Yeah. Okay. And the rest are important, but probably not equally important. Mm. So for them, those four rights are the parameter or are the, being used as, uh, to measure how other nations are doing in human rights. And uh, that is probably the source of the problem that the world is facing today when it comes to human rights. That you think that some rights have more uh, supremacy over other rights, okay? Uh, and we used to say all rights are equal. Uh, none of them has uh, more supremacy over the other. If only one right is, has supremacy, I would say it's the right to life. Because yeah. if you are not living, if you are killed, then you cannot enjoy the rest of human rights. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, but sir. it's not supremacy because it's more important than the other, but because absence of it doesn't allow you to enjoy the rest. But uh, for example, uh, right to health, right to work, right to uh, freedom of assembly, freedom of expression, freedom of belief, uh, having a judicial system, cultural rights, and, and so on. I don't want to to define or give uh, importance to some rights over the other, but we have a list in the in the universal declaration in the two covenants of like 44 rights yeah. uh, they are all equal so if i would say that for me it is more important to have that kind of right over the others and this will be my judgment then i don't care if i'm not going doing well on the rest that i think is is a narrow definition or a narrow uh, uh, vision of of the, of human rights so they are all should be equal so if you take the record of any country you'll find Ups and downs. So they are doing very well on some items and they are not and doing normally on other items and they are doing badly on, on some items. And that is reflected in the uh, when the Human Rights Council in Geneva yeah. do the uh, periodic review, what we call the universal periodic reading. review yeah, yeah. Of, of each nation. Uh, there is a schedule there. It's, I think for developing countries it's uh, four years for developed countries, it's every two years. So every country has to submit a report and the United Nations, uh, through the Human Rights Council Secretariat, which we call the Commission on Human Rights, also submit a report and there is a debate and other countries submit questions and answers, I mean, questions that to be answered and remarks. So it's uh, the only legal and uh, the only legal uh, exercise in uh, assessing one country's human rights record is the Human Rights Council through the Universal Periodic Review. Because this is, the countries have agreed to, it has uh, a process, it has parameters, and it works in this way. But if one organization or, or one official come and say, I, I don't like what's happening here or there, I mean it's uh, his prerogative to say what he wants, but he doesn't could constitute any legality. Exactly.
0: Now, hearing your reflections on this it 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 speaks volumes to me about the need for honesty but also some humility towards each other's as nations so uh i appreciate your perspective sir now i have been uh fascinated and and inspired by uh the document that you sent to me a national human rights strategy of uh the egyptian National Human Rights uh, Organization. Uh, it's quite ambitious how broad your your human rights strategy is being developed in Egypt. Please tell us about that.
1: That I mean, the, there is no obligation to have a national human rights strategy under uh, our obligations with the United Nations. Uh, this is something we came up uh, with voluntary, and we wanted to do it. We wanted to have a national strategy to help the country move better and better uh, in, in, in human rights. And this is coming from the our conviction that we are doing fine, but still we are not there. There are things that need to be done. And we recognize that we are not denying that that is the situation as every country in our belief still has a way to go. Okay. okay. So in our case we have identified the areas uh, that we need to work on in the coming years and also identified the challenges and uh, the the initiative or the strategy was launched in September with the presence of his Excellency President Al-Sisi. So LCC. President al Al-Sisi himself totally was behind there. us. he's on this he was there during the he's the one who launched the yeah. the initiative the strategy with the rest of the different parts of the society uh, the government, uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Ministry of Justice, uh, the security agencies, uh, the civil society, academics, and everybody in the society who is involved in a way or another, including media, by the way, uh, in the implementation, because there are areas related to awareness, raising awareness exactly. of human rights. You need to educate judges. You need yeah. uh, to educate people in different government agencies about the rights of individuals and so on. So it's a, it's a massive exercise mm-hmm. uh, that entails many aspects and many, I would say, uh, segments of the society. And that's why uh, you need a, a national strategy and, and to know how you are doing this. Because in the past we have tried in doing it not through a strategy, I mean, in, in a normal way, agreement by agreement, uh, but I don't think that was a very uh, successful uh, exercise. So I think uh, the the world has also commended us in coming up with this strategy, yeah. and a lot there is a lot of interest in the strategy, what it entails and people now are actually asking, what's next? Uh, what about the implementation? Yes, we just launched it in September. So there should be a realization also that it takes time to do these things, to make the societal transformation yeah. uh, change. The mindset is not so easy. Uh, you need to work on these issues uh, and, and that's I think what the government is doing.
0: You know, um, having known you, sir, for about a year and a half now, uh, I've, I've, I've learned, a lot about the need for understanding each other before having strong opinions about each other. And knowledge is power really here.
1: Yeah, of course, you need to know whom you are talking to. You need to understand where is he coming from. You need to understand his uh, challenges, his aspirations in order to have a better discussion. Uh, But if you start, as you mentioned, valuing people uh, from very far, I mean, you can easily reach wrong conclusions. Yeah. And this is, unfortunately, some of the tensions that we are seeing in the world today, even not just away from human rights, even on political issues, uh, when we see tensions between East and West and so on. A lot of it coming from misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, uh, what can constitute comfort to you and what can mm-hmm. constitute a threat to me? Yeah. And I think there, are always, there is always common ground but if we strive to reach that common ground, but if we are arrogant enough to think that our way should be the way, and what you are doing is wrong, and it is you who has to change, not me, then we never reach anywhere. Exactly. Now,
0: I need to ask you uh, a little bit, sir. Um, You know, of course, uh, I'm in Norway, um, and uh, I I, I see Norwegian media Uh, at times, in my opinion viciously attack Egypt um, you know I've been I've been friends of Coptic Christians from Egypt for about 24 years uh, in 1998 I had a Coptic bishop staying in my home hmm. uh, I had Coptics in my church uh, as members for months and even years and I I've, I've learned to see the the appreciation of the Coptic Church in Egypt of the positive developments in the nation, also between the religions. And I know that the present Pope of uh, the Coptics uh, is a good friend of the president, uh, al-Sisi. But still, a Christian newspaper, uh, I might add, Vortland in Oslo, posted an article with some uh, quite outrageous statements about uh, Egypt and the treatment of the Coptics. And you give a very, no, you know, I'm a preacher, so I can speak strong. You're an ambassador and you, you wrote very cautiously. <laughs> but uh, tell me, what, what was the misconception
1: about the Coptics? I mean, uh, I mean uh, that specific article was dealing that uh, the Copts in Egypt, uh, I mean, that President Sisi is not the savior for the Cops in yeah. Egypt. Uh, I think that was the title, if I remember yeah. correctly. And uh, I mean, forget about what came in the article later, but uh, the basic point is that nobody, I mean, the Cops in Egypt, they don't need a savior yeah, uh, because the word Coptic, actually, they have Jesus. <laughs> the Coptic, uh, the Copt is the name of Egyptians uh, yeah. before they were, uh, I mean, the, before Egypt was conquered by the Muslim Arabs uh, 14th century ago. Uh, Copt was the name of any Egyptian, okay? So it's not a, a religious as such, a religion exactly. as such. But uh, now we we use it as a synonym for being Christian Egyptian yeah. because of the Orthodox Church in, in Egypt. Uh, so they are part of the society. You can hardly, hardly, almost impossible, to distinguish an Egyptian, whether he is Muslim or Christian. Exactly. Or even Jew, to that matter. Yeah. Uh, Because it's one society, it's one nation, one racial background, and uh, it is only religion that people choose to follow. So there's no ethnic division as such, like we might see in other countries. So they live normally, they, they are part of the society, okay? Uh, Of course, they have their own religion to to worship, like Muslims have their own religion to worship. Others don't have a religion or they're not practitioner or they're not uh, uh, feel very strongly about it. That's normal in every society. But the point is that they are not under attack; they are not uh, requiring protection because how how can you expect protection for 18 million people? I mean, the, it's a big uh, the, the 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 amount or the size of Egyptians who have chosen uh, Christianity is maybe the size of population of five countries in Europe. So it's not a a minority. We never said it's a minority because it's not a minority. I remember when I met you first time, I said said to you,
0: Hmm. what about the Coptic minority? And you scolded me in your (laughs) smiling way and
1: said they are not a minority. We never thought, I mean, I'm Muslim myself. I never thought of my uh, Coptic friends as a minority because they are not a minority. So if uh, some journalists uh, have... uh, stereotypes in their mind uh, about you know there is a problem somewhere so there is majority there is minority there is ethnic happening ethnic cleansing and all that kind of sort because they don't do they don't want to do a research uh, for themselves they just want to take uh, that some information word. from some ngos like human rights watch and others and come up with conclusions mm-hmm. accordingly yeah. so they want to do the easy job to write an article uh, it's part of their uh, what they do to make a living, to write articles. They should be fired. Sir. Uh, so, <laughs> so they do it easily uh, on the laptop at home yeah. and then a lot of, uh, uh, I won't say mistakes, but uh, very superficial coverage and then have the power through their newspapers to publish to the vast majority of people reading it. Thinking that's correct or that's accurate. This is very unfortunate uh, yeah. that that happened. So I think everybody is entitled for his own opinion, of course, but he needs to do a little research before he start uh, describing or defining other people.
0: Yeah, I was in Cairo last year in a religious Islamic conference, and I I met several Copts, and uh, to this day many of them are my friends. And I noted on mm-hmm. my Facebook page one mm-hmm. of them. Uh, She had her birthday, Mm. and lo and behold, who congratulated her? The Egyptian ambassador in Oslo, Amr (laughs) Ramadan. And I think that's so beautiful, how you're uh, treating people equally. The
1: Egyptian society has always been united, and uh, if you go a little bit back to the last century, even during the 1919, uh, uh, during the uh, the revolution in uh, in the year 19 uh, how the muslims and the christians uh, stand together yeah. against the british occupation for example e- exactly and uh, fighting for the uh, independence of egypt yeah. uh, was enormous i mean it's, it's a very important uh, period to see how we get together, all of us in Egypt, when it comes to national issues. So there is no division. I mean, if outside forces want to see division, or wants to give the impression that there is division, I mean, this is, uh, I would say, their own business. It doesn't affect the unity that we have inside. Ambassador, Your Excellency Ahmed Ramadan, you have enlightened,
0: not just me, but my 20,0 200 plus, plus norwegian viewers i don't think an interview like this in at least norway has ever been conducted about the uh, strategies and the values of human rights movement around the world so thank you so much thanks sir, to for thanks doing to you, Pastor, this for us it's a
1: pleasure uh, to to be a guest at your show and i really thank you for that opportunity as well all god, the best to you god bless and you. So